Hey everybody, welcome to the Evoke Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hausler. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. These short 8 to 15 minute podcasts cover a wide range of topics to help you get faster. Whether you're looking to win a national championship, finish Leadville, crush Tulsa Tough, get on a Gravel Worlds podium, or simply drop your friends. If we've never met, I'm the co-founder and president of Evoke Bike. I've been coaching athletes since 2010, and I've trained with power for over 150,000 miles. I've also won three Masters National Championships, but I'm mostly proud of my nearly 100 Pro 1 podiums simply because it shows my consistency in the game and my hunger to get better for not only myself, but the Evoke community, which includes you. If you enjoy these podcasts, please leave us a review on Apple or follow and download the episodes from Spotify. And if you want to take your support to the next level, please click the support link at the bottom of this podcast where your donation will help us pay for everything that helps to keep this free podcast going. Now to the show. Hey, everybody. So I want to talk about familiarity and training that will apply to your racing and then the current status, we'll say, the current reports on over-unders and steady-state intervals. And I had a good question from an athlete who I had given, I think it was either maybe like a 2 by 25 tempo at the end of the week. And he just shot me a message and said, hey, just just curious. It seemed like you've been talking a lot about over-unders on the podcast. I didn't think I was surprised to see anything steady-state these days. Would you mind sharing your thoughts on that? Definitely love when athletes have good questions like that. So, you know, we had posted an Instagram video. Patrick was talking about the best way to improve the FTP is doing over-unders and he likes to use the Zwift TTT for that. It's in sort of fart lick informal way of doing the over threshold where you create lactate and then riding under threshold, whether it be between 70 to 90% FTP and work on clearing it. The better you get at clearing it, the higher essentially your FTP will be and the longer you'll be able to ride at it because remember the basic equation is how much lactate you create versus subtract how much you can clear and then at some point when that equation gets all out of whack, that's when your body says, hey, you need to go ride under threshold just because all we can do right now is clear it. We can't handle any more lactate creation. Now, when I say 70 to 90%, I might have an athlete that said, wait a minute, I had a pretty hard workout that was at an over-under and it was overs with the under at like 90. Why am I doing it at 90 versus 70? Variation. While you can clear and work lactate practicing at 80%, but some of these I just started calling like paceline practice. This is very similar to a super fast group ride. Like when I do the cove ride, it ends up being more in over at uh i was gonna say 440 that's probably about 108 percent for me and then the under is around 90 percent and so while i'm not working on maximally clearing lactate you're definitely still clearing on that under but if i'm really working if i'm really trying to hyper focus on clearing lactate i go harder on the over, like 125% on the over and 85% or 80% on the under based on how I'm feeling that day. And a lot of that is anecdotal based on how that's what Tom and I dialed in. Another reason why we worked on those percentages was 125% was not easy for me. 
but consistently revving it at slow, excuse me, at small durations has helped me become more accustomed to it over the past two years. Yes, I realize, uh, excuse me, the past year, not two years. So a year's time, you know, a lot changed in a year for me. And I did a lot of over-unders though. So why then, if we're talking about increasing FTP, why is it that you would ever want to do steady state? Steady state is kind of old school for FTP work. I would agree with that. I don't, I no longer see quote unquote, the gold standard of going and doing a two by 20 at threshold, the best way to increase threshold. However, just as I've said in every sweet spot video where I didn't maybe, I made it maybe didn't proclaim this in the early ones because I didn't realize I was getting this uh, reputation for not liking sweet spot. I don't like the over prescription of sweet spot where people do it over and over and over again, riding below threshold and telling people, hey, this is going to increase your threshold. That's a, that's a different podcast because yes, that will work for the newbie rider. That will not work, work for the more experienced rider, but that, that's beyond the scope of this one. Why would we still do consistent intervals? If you're only doing over-unders, your body, surprise, surprise, we're pretty trainable um, animals out here. You will wait and expect that under to come. And when you're pinning it at 100% and you're trying to get away and hopefully if it's a, say it's a 10-minute effort in race and you're going 105, 110%, you do not want your muscles to only be thinking and knowing how to pedal hard for a minute or two minutes and then expecting that under at under threshold because when that happens, bye. And I'm not saying that in a nasty way. That's just reality. And that's one thing that I had talked to Tom about last year when I was feeling we did over-unders and when we started getting closer to races and I was like, hey man, I need to switch it up because I've done some sustained efforts and they're just harder. And it's you're rarely in an event climbing just sustained power. So I think you really want to use the over-under as the physiological way to clear more lactate, but then also use the steady state for situations where you might find yourself putting out consistent power. And you're like, well, Brendan, you just said that you're rarely riding that way. I think most athletes that are going to an event – are the problem that they have is they get dropped from the break, right? They're surging, they're falling back in the line. They're surging, they're falling back in the line. It is an over-under. There are less athletes that are saying, hey, I'm going off the front, but getting caught 1K from the finish. Like that's more time trialist. There's just fewer of those types of athletes. That has always been the role for me on my team, get in a break and try to win from the break. So there is a lot of somewhat steadier power okay it's steadier power than in a break but it's still not steady because if you listen to my podcast on how to stay away and get away when there's a climb or a roller i have to surge over that and then i'm going more arrow on the downhill depends on the terrain but if i was back in upstate new york there was a lot of more tt based efforts where i'm riding between 95 and 105 percent that's like more steady-ish power right it's never going to be exactly 100 The biggest thing, though, is I really think there is something to the consistent pressure on the pedals, especially if you have an event that has long hill climbs. If you are going and climbing 30, 40, 50, 60, maybe 90 minutes, 
If you do not do long efforts that include those, it'll be harder on race day. So again, I think you want to use the over-unders to attack the physiological side of how do I get better at the equation of creating lactate and subtract creating lactate and clearing lactate, okay? But then also the muscular side of things of consistent pressure on the pedals, that tension. This is going to be something that's very, I think if you do this type of training, there's going to be a lot of anecdotal, ah, this makes sense to me. You are not going to find a paper on this because it would be very hard to study. It is amazing the way these rides in North Carolina on the mountains feel as opposed to rides on the flats in Florida. And yeah, climbing is just amazing for getting stronger at cycling, especially when you have a lot of climbs at the end of the day when you're like, man, I'm kind of tired. I would definitely be zone twoing home. And I have these little five, seven, nine minute tempo efforts because you just need to get over the climb. Even if I go in my easiest gear, when it's 12%, it's 12%. Now, here's the caveat to that. Oh, Brennan, I'm just going to go ride climbs all the time. And I have a lot of training in my background. So I'm good at dialing in. Hey, I went a little bit long today. I need to go a little bit less today. Uh, I think if you're, you don't always want to be riding tempo. And it comes down to if I felt like I was riding too much tempo, I already posted a video on this. Did I ride too much tempo in the mountains? If that became a problem, do you know what I would do? I would change the gears on my bike and make it so that I could ride zone two and I would go slow as hell up the climbs, you know? So, so it's a variation. And again, the last piece is familiarity in training. The things that you do in training, one reason why I have a lot of athletes have a lot of variation while there's many progression progression i think was over touted for a long time because it was a way for coaches to prescribe training in a way that made sense on paper but who's to say three times 10 then three times 15 then maybe four times 10 are we going more time are we going longer are we going three times 15 then maybe two by 25 who's to say exactly what's the exact best thing for the athlete that day I think the progression is, can you do this duration? Can you do it a little bit longer? When do we want to go a little bit harder as opposed to longer? That, that I truly think is athlete and event specific. If I have an athlete out here and you're going to be doing a lot of 10 minute climbs, 10 minute climbs, and we want to do them harder. I, I don't need you going 25 minutes. I need you going 10 to 12 minutes harder, faster, right? Like this, this is not rocket science. And again, and so there's things out there teaching the different thing, like intensive aerobic is just get longer. Uh, At some point you do go harder, but I don't think it's, it's a framework. Remember that a lot of these things that you're being told that I'm telling you also through like five blocks to racing, it's a framework that you need to be working within. Okay. Work with your training buddy and figure out how you adapt this framework to you. It's got to be very individualized. And then with the familiarity and training piece, when you go out though and you have a medio day, I think medio days are underrated also, meaning meet tempo training, maybe some low cadence at tempo, put them in as put in the longer intervals. If you're doing Leadville, you need to have a very long interval. Do that on the weekends, I think, because it's going to be really hard to go bang out a 90-minute interval during the week unless you're doing maybe a three-hour ride. Personally, I used to do my long stuff on Saturday. Wake up, big breakfast, get pumped, get warmed up, 
get 45 minutes outside of town and then crank out this 90 minute interval. I haven't done that in a long time because my racing doesn't require that. And the reason I did it back then was, as I've said many times, I was confused as to what gravel racing was going to be. So I think the familiarity and training piece is going to be very helpful for you because then also you're going to say, hey, okay, this is interesting. VO2 max intervals, I've always done four and five minute and six minute ones. Maybe I should try those 30 30s or vice versa. Hey, I've always done 30 30s because I've heard I can get more time in zone. I didn't, I don't do the more sustained power ones because I don't like them, but there's benefit to that too. The kinetic aspect of continually pedaling. So, and then over-unders, familiar, familiarity and training. Because then you go to an event, you're in a fast break. Um, I, I mean, when you're riding with athletes that have FTPs over 400, you better be able to go surge at 440, right? So it's, there's, and then granted those numbers are will vary based on, I, sh- I shouldn't say it that way. Um, you should be able to surge at VO2 max over and over again at low VO2 max. There's, there's just, you need variation, variation, variation. And that does not mean doing random workouts all the time. But I like to think of it, what system are we working and why? How are we working it for how long? Like, think of the cycles in weeks, in months, this is your training buddy coming in handy, he will help you stay on the course of the roadmap that is best for you because you hope you are laying out a roadmap, right? That's if you are training, you need to have a roadmap. You need to know where you're going. And it's not just willy nilly random workouts. Like, I think I should do this. And Joey just did this on Strava. So maybe I'll try that one. You know, as I say to you, try 30 30s, try consistent power. Like, ask yourself why you do that. I think there's valid reasons for sure to do both. I personally tend to do more consistent power ones because they apply more to when I find myself going super hard and in that like attack, 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 I don't struggle as much. It's more at the end of the race. So I, I should be saying to myself, Brendan, you should be doing those a couple times at the end of the ride. So, and then the last piece, you can't do everything, you know, find a couple things to work on and get better at them. I don't always do the 30-30s at the end of the ride because I sometimes do, okay, I'm dropping a wop bomb here and that's me attacking from a group of six guys because I've A, gotten in the break, B, that's the role of my team, C, that's how I've win, that's how I've won many races. So I sort of doubled down on that and make sure that at age 40, I can still do it. So maybe I try 30-30s. It opens a great question and or not even a question. It opens up a great opportunity to continue to try to evolve but that you just have to weigh cost benefit of each thing. If I do the 3030s, I can't do the final WAP on practice on a Saturday at hour four. Which do we think is better? You know, and at the end of the day, you can't predict every race outcome. So, so if you have a roadmap, you will be so much more confident in your training and your preparation for the events and seeing yourself getting better and more dialed as an athlete that it will just also be so good to look back on. I can't tell you when my roadmap, when I did not build a roadmap, I look back and it is embarrassing. Maybe I will do a podcast on it sometime. It was just too many things going on. I didn't have somebody looking over my shoulder and it was just, it was a mishmash of so many things. I texted Patrick and I was like, Oh my God, dude, we should. And that was one of the reasons why I started having him coach me 
uh, or look over things. And we kind of, we did it for a short time, but being, um, yeah, anyways. So with that, get it dialed, get familiarized. There's a place for almost every type of training, even sweet spot. I call it low threshold because that's what it is. I don't need to market sweet spot for everybody. Low threshold riding, there's definitely a spot for that. Do some low threshold and do some bursts. Guess what that is? That's kind of an over-under. Sometimes they name things slightly differently, but it's the same thing. Oh, super pumped for this mountain ride today. I'm going to go out. I'm actually doing an over-under and then a consistent um, effort. I think we're doing shorter blocks today with mini, mini rests, like one-minute rest. And then there's like a 10-minute KOM I get to go for. So that's exciting. And it's going to be 50 degrees and not raining if the forecast cooperates. So I hope you have a great day. Hope you crush the training. Hope you're getting super pumped for events, racing. And if you're not racing, just getting better. I love looking back at myself at 14 years ago and being like, wow, you, (laughs) no, nope, nope, nope. Let's get it.